Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. You hate giving bad news. That's why you quit your job as a doctor to become a clown. And why, when the circus caught fire, you left everyone to die. Most of all, you hate giving bad news to the people you love. Your grandfather's ghost still doesn't know he's dead. He just keeps haunting your kitchen and giving you bad life advice. You sit down with the medium to confront and lay him to rest. He's earned his sleep, and you're pretty sure the unfinished business he has to complete is just the poo he died on the toilet about to do. You light the candles, summon the spirits, call your guide from beyond the veil... You hear a hollow noise approaching, unnatural, frightening. Is it an enemy ghost, a grudging revenant here to claim an awful price? No, it's the Gargle, the sonic glossy magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. I'm your host, Alice Razor, your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine that has all of the news and none of the politics are James Colley. Hello. And John Luke Roberts. Hello. Hello. Uh, we are going to take hands together and walk into the ocean that is this week's top stories. But first, let's have a look at the front cover of the magazine. The front cover this week is, of course, Lorene winning Eurovision. Are you excited about Eurovision? Do you watch Eurovision? I don't. <laughs> that was very... Got that in quickly. Are you excited about Eurovision? I'm not! Um... <laughs> I do generally like to watch it. I watched a semi-final this year, but didn't watch the final because one of my friends basically scuppered the whole affair by the day before saying, I don't want to do Eurovision. Do you want to come for wine beforehand? At which point I knew nobody was coming to Eurovision afterwards. It was just going to be wine. It's going to be hijacked. I used to love Eurovision, um, but uh, the whole bloody thing's gone woke, in my opinion. It used to be uh, for man's men who would come off the battlefield on Flanders Field and they would walk straight onto the stage and they would perform a ditty for other men. And now it's bloody flamboyant, it's avant-garde, it's everything the left loves. I, I hate it. Uh, fair enough. I always, I, I think, I don't actually mind Eurovision, but what I much prefer is to hear people uh, telling me about Eurovision secondhand. Uh, I got a taste for, for hearing about things secondhand when I realised that I can't watch horror movies, so I always just read the synopses of horror movies mm-hmm. uh, on Wikipedia and then have nightmares about it anyway. Oh, can I just check, in Wikipedia, do the descriptions have the jump scares? Like, will it suddenly be in capital letters uh, when it's described? No, but I can imagine them. I have a very good imagination, which is why I can't watch horror movies. The satirical cartoon this week is Vice Media filing for bankruptcy. 
uh, all of these massive media properties going under or getting subsumed. Vale, vice, uh, as, as the, the Latin saying goes, veni, vidi, vice. You came, you saw, you made edgy documentary series that defined the aesthetic and intellectual framework of a generation of men who now can't watch anything unless it's pretending to be a raw, unbiased, yet somehow also gonzo exploration of the miserable lives of sad cocaine accountants in the South American hinterlands. You truly were the MTV of the small, small screen. So... Goodbye, Vice. I will always remember Vice for the one time I went to a Vice party and they had a whole wall that was a projection of Al Gore doing an interview in complete silence just on the wall. (laughs) And uh, a man named Spider told me about his sexual escapades or sexcapades (laughs) if we're saving time as he went through Turkmenistan. So thank you for that, Vice. I will never be able to forget that night. He doesn't even work for Vice. They just invite him to all the Vice parties to be that guy. <laughs> Actually, I um, I generally, I think it's uh, interviews with Al Gore are pretty good to dance to. You know, I, I, I stand there, I really feel my Al Gore rhythm. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. I did it. I did it. I did a joke. And this is our top story today. Top story is guilt tipping Um, which is similar to guilt tripping, but now has to do with the self-checkout aisle. Uh, James Colley, you talk to yourself sometimes. Can you unpack this story for us? Yeah, so this is that even at the self-checkout aisle, tipping culture has come in. Now, you might have seen this happen in, um, you know, cafes or I guess toilets now ask you to rate your experience there, which I always want to say, like, Have you seen this before that there's a bunch of little faces and you get to rate your experience from great to awful? And I think awful, obviously, there was terrible complaint there. But I think I had a terrific time is also very, very bad to get as feedback. I had the time of my life in this cubicle, but be that as it may. We are now in the self-checkout aisle as well. Uh, Tipping has come into this, which is... A moral dilemma for me personally that firstly you have eliminated the staff and that's why I'm at the self-checkout. I would love to have the staff who are paid a wage instead of a robot that gets a tip. But also this is so this has been called what is an example of tip creep. Now um, that is to me Australian cultural appropriation. We already have a tip creep. He is a man who is at the local <laughs> dump, or tip as we call it here, who is pretty sure he saw a whole BMX bike back there and he'll let me have it if I just give his penis a little rub. So that's good business, <laughs> that's recycling, that's worthy of a tip, just the tip, a little rub, a whole BMX bike. Uh, I just, otherwise I don't, I don't care for this at all. I don't like having to rate your experience. It always puts me in the mind of when Uber first arrived here, um, my my wife was using using Uber and uh, believed that it worked like a theater review, which is if you had a fine ride and it was good, that's three stars. It didn't blow your mind, but was the greatest ride you've ever had. That's a five star ride. <laughs> it took some months of doing this to realize, oh no, that has real world consequences for everyone involved. I remember when Uber came in, it was very much about impressing the customer and in, in order to get that five-star review and there was, there'd be mints and bottles of water and things like that. And I feel like uh, I quite enjoyed the idea that that would, that would become increasingly theatrical in order to get those coveted extra stars that you then have to have like a heartbreaking twist at the end and M. Night Shyamalan redirection. Or that time that I was in a taxi and the taxi driver pulled into an alleyway and asked me if I was a party girl. That was fun. 
There was also another guy, another taxi driver once, uh, who told me he took a big drink of his tea and he said, would you like some of my tea? And I said, no, thank you. And he said, it's special tea. I can see through time. Uh, I can tell what colour traffic lights are going to be. And I said, I'll just get out here. And I was in a highway tunnel, but I got out nonetheless uh, because I thought that was a probably uh, walking down a highway tunnel at 11 p.m. was probably slightly less risky than being in the car of a man who thought he could see through time. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have shocked him because he would have already seen that event occur in the future. So if anything, you were just fulfilling the prophecy as he knew it. I mean, he didn't even say he could see forwards through time, so. <laughs> yeah, that's just memory. <laughs> you just don't want somebody, like, swerving out of the way of a kangaroo that was there a thousand years ago, you know? <laughs> Can I say, I did for the first time this week, and I God, I hope the Statue of Limitations is up on this. I, for the first time... Wait, 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 the Statue of Limitations? Out. Is that like the Statue of Liberty, but... <laughs> yes, <laughs> It's the justice one, but justice only reaches as far as she can. <laughs> I, I stole from a self-checkout, and here is my like my vaunt into the, the world of crime. What I did was label, and if there's any lawyers listening, help me out here, I labeled jazz apples as royal gala apples, which I think are the same price. <laughs> never take me alive <laughs> john luke it's america right it's the states is where this largely happens because that's where tipping culture came from and got out of hand and the general guilt thing of of going well in america anything you buy has a price on it which has nothing really to do with the price you pay at the checkout you you just they put some numbers down as some sort of i don't know in service to some bizarre god of commerce and then you go up and you're told oh no this is the price where they've added tax on because they couldn't just put that on the original label when you see it like everywhere else does and then they turn a little desk around and it says do you want to tip um how good was the service tip five percent if you are a terrible skin flint tip 20% if you are a Dickens character. And uh, if, you, if you in any way respect us, give us 50% of this, please. Um, now, the thing is, with these machines doing it without people involved, I read into the article, it's very clear that the money you tip still goes to the staff of the shop. That's not fair. It's the machine that's done all the work. The tip should go to the machine. And I will, I'm happy to tip as long as it goes to our one day uh, checkout machine overlords. It's just all been increasingly complicated since the good old days where you'd flick a coin to the boy who was holding the bridle of your horse. Why can't we go back to those times? And then he'd bite it and then be happy. You know, that was how it used to be. I think you're thinking about cartoons. <laughs> No, you can't throw a tip to a cartoon. They can't catch it. They're two-dimensional. They can only take paper money. Um, I'm sorry. What about Pixar? A lot of them now <laughs> move on, on three planes. They look like they do, but actually it's still two dimensions, which you find out if you rub yourself up against the uh, theatre screen. <laughs> which part of yourself are you rubbing against this theatre screen? The whole body. <laughs> okay, fine. Nothing, nothing <laughs> untoward. Goggle to Zatch. Um, yes. Was was there? That's how I'm announcing any intermission now. Point of order. Um, <laughs> was there an epidemic of rich misers in in olden times using gold and chocolate, like the chocolate foil coins, and flicking <laughs> that? Like, is that where the biting came? In? When did the biting become part of this? Like, ah, you almost tricked me with a delicious chocolate. <laughs> I always thought it was it, it was it's to test the like strength of the coin, isn't it? 
Like you don't want yeah. any floppy coins. It's oh, just yeah. to make sure they're not passing you off with a with a floppy coin. <laughs> like you should check it's not mercury, basically. Like you don't give me any quicksilver coins; they'll slip out of my pocket. No, no, <laughs> they're not good for the skin. The oldie peasants had a really good uh, tongue for an alloy. They could tell whether it was a proper a proper gold or an electrum kind of a, a watered down copper. Fifteen percent. That was the whole. Also, uh, if you bit hard enough, that's how you got gold teeth. Your ad section now, because you can't be what you can't buy. All the milk fell out of my milk sandwich. This bread's disintegrating. I wish there was a milk sandwich with some structural integrity. Wish granted. Try a cheese sandwich today. The milk sandwich you can eat without getting wet. Cheese sandwich too dry now that you're using cheese instead of milk? Try re-moistening your sandwich by dipping it in half a glass of water. Half a glass of water. The solution for the dry of mouth. What, you don't like a wet cheese sandwich? No, I just half a glass of water isn't a solution. <laughs> it is a solution. Only once you've dipped the sandwich in it. It's only a solution if the sandwich completely dissolves within yeah, the water. Yeah. All right, guys, we're back. I'm not drinking distilled water here. I'm drinking like the normal water, which has a lot of other things in it. All right. Dinosaur. Like fish eating. and stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like fish. <laughs> You have an important meeting coming up, and then you have to shred that evidence. You don't have time to keep track of what's off in the distance, but you'd feel better knowing someone did. Now, someone does with giraffes. Giraffes. It's like being friends with a periscope. Are you clumsy? Do you love to stand at the top of snow-covered mountains pointing out the view? Do you wish people would stop laughing when you inevitably fall down the snow-covered mountain? Skis. Convince people you meant to fall down that mountain. And sausage news now, and this is the news uh, that they have broken the only rule of sausages, which is not to talk about what is going into a sausage. John Luke, mm-hmm. you're a rule breaker. What is going into the sausages now? Yeah, um, well, they're putting Gene, uh, if I've got this right, they're putting Gene Hackman in <laughs> sausages. I think I've read this right. The um, uh, Not really, no. They've, the FDA, which is the... Um, the, the the Food Decision Authority in America uh, have allowed genetically modified pig to go into sausages, which will then enter the food supply. Um, I don't think they need to mention the food supply bit because once it's gone into a sausage, surely that's food supply. There's no other like use for a sausage. They're not used in in you know mechanical operation or anything like that. They're not used in in the arts. They're just for food. Um, so Washington State University, they. They're genetically modifying pigs to make the pigs better um, for meat. And then they're putting those pigs into sausages. And now the FDA has said, yes, now those sausages can be eaten by people. And the the mad scientist who is doing this, who is not called Gene, even though it's gene hacking which is going on, um, he says that because he's an academic, this will give people faith in eating these sausages. I don't think he knows what people are like. I don't think that knowing the FDA have approved it will at any rate help now. And I also don't think that um, that knowing a man from a university has been tampering with the <laughs> tiniest bit of your sausage meat will make anybody want to put it in their mouth. The best thing, obviously, to do with a sausage is not to think about where the sausage has come from at all. Mm-hmm. And nobody eating a sausage will have chosen a sausage on the basis of what has gone in. You, you eat a sausage 
for plausible deniability. You eat a sausage because <laughs> you don't want to think about what has gone into the sausage. Where it's coming from or where it's going. You don't want yeah. to see any of those things. There's, there's only one point. Well, because the sausage is, of course, the one food shaped perfectly for the, the duodenum. Like, it's, it's made to pass through your digestive system as flexibly and as, um, you know, as easily as possible. It's, Wait it's, a minute, it, are you not biting your sausages? Well, who bites their sausage? Come on, grow up. I've not got time. I've not got time to bite my sausage. You're down like a snake. <laughs> well, that's why they're in strings. They're in, they come in strings. You put them in one end. And, you, and then you Sorry sort of, to clarify, you like a snake eats, not like you're eating a snake. Although actually, it works in both directions. Well, the snake actually is uh, is is like more helpful because that does some snake. of the moving. The snake moves itself down. The sausage, you have to do some work. Basically, yeah. once you've got the first sausage down, that's the hard bit. But then once that's in your digestive system, in your intestine, that's when peristalsis happens and just pulls the rest of the sausages through. And then, of course, the only thing you've got to watch out for is the little yapping dog chasing the tail end <laughs> of the string of sausages uh, accidentally going down your mouth. <laughs> I mean, this is this is an article in futurism.com that was sent to us by one of our wonderful roving editors. And I think it is slightly skewed. I mean, I'm always uh, looking out for bias in our news sources. It is slightly skewed by the fact that it is a source called futurism.com. And they seem extremely enamored of using the phrase gene hacked uh, in reference to these uh, hot dogs. When, when what they mean is sort of moderately genetically modified uh, pigs. Uh, James? Uh, firstly, I'd like to say that the snake eating the snake is how the first Ouroboros was formed. It was just got a little too excited and then it just kept eating itself forever. I am shocked by this. Uh, firstly, because and primarily uh, because I was thinking we were going to use CRISPR to do something cool. I really thought there were a couple of years there that was like, we're going to stop all the diseases. We found the secret code of the universe. And now it's like, we've we've made meat. Um it's not much better. Like they're, 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 it's telling here that there's these aren't chops. They're not pork loins. They're not bacon even. They've really gone for, as we have discussed, the most indiscriminate meat. The the offal. They just don't think about it. Put it in your gob. I also am a little unnerved how they refer to these creatures as donor pigs. And I feel that... <laughs> I understand the term donor is difficult, at but I, I feel donor implies some form of consent. Even organ donors at some point signed a form. Like, I don't think... I think if the pig has donated its body to science, it would not be thrilled if this is the science that comes out <laughs> of it. I mean, actually, if you just get someone to put their finger on a smiley face from frowny to smiley um, in response to the sausage, that does count as science. Can I, point of order. Um, uh, I, please, please. Sorry, I just want yes. to give my impression of the Ouroboros snake. Uh, if you ask it a question in an interview, what it's always saying is, well, sausages. <laughs> Um, this this might be an unrelated question. Uh, why, why is uh, <laughs> that's why never is stopped animal, anything in this why podcast? Why is Animal Farm called Animal Farm? Isn't that just a farm? Why why did they specify it's farm? It could be called farm or animals. Either of those. Why is it called Animal Farm? Well, hang on. You can farm like crops. No, you babies. Can't. You know, like... <laughs> maybe it's like Circus <laughs> Oz. Oz. <laughs> maybe it's like Circus Oz where they used to have animals, but now it's all people. I'd quite. I mean, to be fair, I, 
I would like Orwell to have written a um, an allegory for communism just using vegetables. I think it would have been. <laughs> I guess more... it's Veggie Tales, and it's got, oh, like, yeah. quite fundamental. All creatures are corn equal, but some are corn more equal than others. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, four ears <laughs> of corn, good. Two ears of corn, bad or better, depending on where you are in the book. <laughs> Uh, now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. James Colley, what have you brought in for us this week? This week, my review has been becoming an artist. I have performed my first bit of visual art this week, by which I mean I have drawn with some pastels, which is a crayon that I overpaid for. And it is not... Good. I really thought I was a savant who had just never tried. I presumed I had a great artist inside of me. It turns out, not, no, nope, <laughs> wasn't waiting to emerge. Maybe, maybe it's clarinet. Maybe there's still a lot of other forms of self-expression to go, but I can definitively say it is not fine art or even crayon drawings. I think if I were a caveman and I had seen a yak, I would not be able to convey that information to any other caveman. I am just not of that <laughs> level of artistic ability. So I would say uh, two stars. Oh. Wow, but you've managed to get the entire artistic process within one human. You've cut out, like, you are the artist and the critic. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that is what we're looking for, a circular economy, man. In these days of looking for alternatives for capitalism, you might have just presented... You're like Everyone's those... their own OnlyFans. Is it a terrarium? You're a terrarium. You've got a cork in the top. You don't need any air coming in. You're providing the whole system. <laughs> John Roberts, what have you brought in for us? Well, I'd like to review the difference between the American and the British um, words for poo, um, which is uh, poo and poop. I don't. What's the Australian? Is that poo? Shit. Poo. Poo. Shit. Poo. So uh, for me, I've been giving it quite a lot of thinking. Like, there's lots of these cultural differences. It's the tipping thing which set me off thinking about it. Um, poop, the American way, I think really sums up the American uh, sensibility. There's such sort of hope and optimism in the word poop. It ends. It has a definitive start and a definitive ending, as if this thing we have to do every day, this terrible thing, might just, this might be the last time. We might never have to do it again. Poop. Whereas the British way, uh, you know, poo just carries on. It acknowledges that this is an ongoing process. And in fact, this pause after it happens is simply a brief respite from what our life is, which is simply pooing. So um, I give the American way of saying poop two stars. I think it sums up the, uh, the thing less well than the British way, which I give um, two stars as well, um, because I, uh, I'm feeling very unpatriotic at the moment. <laughs> And now it's time for your baby news. Baby news now. And this is the news. Uh, much like the sausages, we're messing with uh, the making of, of things behind the scenes that has generally gone without too much examination. The first UK baby has been born uh, with DNA from three people after a new IVF procedure. So uh, this is extremely exciting news. Uh, John Luke Roberts, you have three names. Can you unpack this story for us? I do have three names and they're all first names. 
Um, yes. Yeah. So it always sounds like you're embarking on something exciting, but then you never get anywhere. Um, I will say I was a bit sad when you said uh, now for baby news and then this isn't news for babies. I thought this would be a great new innovation of just like news specifically for for babies. But no, it's news Can about Can I just babies. say, as someone with a baby, everything in the world is news for babies. <laughs> well, actually, some of it's not appropriate news for babies. <laughs> but everything is new to a baby. Yes, everything is new to a baby. This is like sci-fi and also they've taken a tiny little bit of DNA of the mitochondria of a third person to protect the unborn babies when making the babies in the IVF, I think IVF, from uh, without those mitochondrial genetic diseases uh, which are in the parent. And then um, th this is, uh, there are fewer than five babies or two armfuls of babies which have been born using this procedure. But there are now babies with three parents but it's not a sitcom from the 90s. It is, um, it is a way of, uh, it's, yeah, they've, they've, they've diddled with the sausages and now, um, and these babies are now running free. Uh, James? This is a breakthrough, but I, I should mention that this story has happened before. Um, it actually happened a long time ago, three into one and a little baby produced in a little town called Bethlehem. And uh, spoilers, does not end well for the baby, actually. Really nasty <laughs> end for the baby. Was it God or Joseph who was providing the mitochondria? True. Big question. <laughs> Joseph was, uh, uh, he, he was kind of like the 0.1% contribution here, in which he was the bouncer at the door of the barn. He was just making sure any no cows got injured. We're busy right now, fellas. Uh, I, do you know what? Look, let's go off topic here. I always want to know why are like in in the story like little lord jesus born in the major in in the song it's very important that the cows and the sheep are all silent in the field did did they know why do they know like i if if people did it but like a cow got it immediately a cow's like well i shouldn't moo now baby in there i mean if one. disney has taught us nothing else it's that uh woodland animals and farmyard animals have a real eye for a prince or a princess they've oh, just got a feeling for who they should be twittering at who they yeah. should be vibing with they're real classists remember all uh, those they scenes. can even tell one in disguise yeah when the princess is singing by the window and then the cow jumps in and lands on her finger and sings a little song with her <laughs> I just think Jesus should have had a pet. Don't you feel like he should have had a pet? It gives you a good vibe when someone has a pet. You mean like a wacky sidekick, <laughs> like a Disney thing who would yeah. like chat and get all Yeah, a little, a little dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking raccoon, but dragon works. Yeah, dragon. <laughs> Why did you all betray me? I bet it's you, Judas. You know, stuff like that. Good gear. <laughs> I think this is the third amount is so tidy. It is in the sense that like, when I say, you know, it takes a village to raise a baby, I'm not actually helping, but I'm technically there. More baby news now, and parrot babies babble just like our babies, apparently, according to uh, adoring parrot parents uh, who think their baby parrots are super cute, even though they're on an aeroplane and annoying everyone. My nightmare. Uh, I'm going on a plane tomorrow with my baby and I am so terrified that I'm going to alienate people. Uh, 
and then I looked up online, what do you do when you're traveling with a baby? Because uh, I've traveled with a baby before, but not for 10 hours uh, to Japan. And I mean, I have, I've gone to England, but she was a smaller baby then, more manageable. Uh, the point is, she's now one and a half years old and will not stop and will not shut up. And I looked it up. And apparently one of the things that you can do is give people like little consolation uh, gifts when you get on the plane, just little like baggies of earplugs and like cute things that they can do to be like I'm sorry I bred and I immediately have decided that them because I'm not going to give out little if you don't have headphones or earbuds on an airplane in this modern day and age you deserve all of the obnoxious screaming that you're going to get and also a baby is entitled to go to Japan and have lunch in a mini pig cafe just like you are so (laughs) shut it Alice I similarly had a we we flew with uh with our little baby and uh she was very loud the whole time and i'd say everyone on board was very very lovely about it except for one older woman who when we're at the baggage carousel grace was upset again and she turned to her and like with pure venom went it's that baby as if it was her enemy it made me laugh so much that i couldn't hold anger for her anymore i was um i was on a flight a couple of years ago where there were a few babies on the on the plane and, and obviously they're crying like babies do that's just part and parcel of the thing uh, and then at the end of this 12, 10 hour or 12 hour flight or something a woman turned to the um the couple next to her and said well your baby's been very well behaved unlike some babies i can mention <laughs> Just passive aggressively <laughs> sticking it into the other babies on the uh, on the flight. Can we get back to the to the parrot babies? Uh, you repeat yourself a lot. Can you unpack this story? Who who repeats themselves? I was Me. I was waiting to see who jump in on that. <laughs> well, basically, babies babble. They go ba ba ba, and they put sounds together that don't make sense. And parrot babies, it turns out, when they secretly record them when their parents are away, they do the same babbling, but in a high pitched parrot voice. Um, that's the story. Parrots, um, little parrot babies, little parrot babies babble. And there's other things that babble, of course, as well. There's goblins babble, um, radio DJs, they babble, and um, cartoon wolves, when approached by cartoon sexy ladies, they uh, they go, ooh, they go <laughs> babbling crazy. <laughs> James. This whole story has uh, the vibe to me of when I tell someone about some experience with my daughter and they reply with what their dog is like. Great, not the same, don't really care. I think it would be terrifying if parrots actually babbled like babies. Like, I'm going to take last night, for example. I was up at 3 a.m. just hanging out and wouldn't you know the baby happy in the cry, so it was a good timing for us to hang out for a little bit. And... um. I was changing her feet, went entirely in silence, and then she did her little uh, uh, contribution, which was on the last sip of her bottle, rocking in my arm, slowly getting towards sleep. She pulled the bottle out, looked me in the eye, and said, go away. So if a parrot did that, I would also have real problems with that parrot and feel like I shouldn't have gotten up in the middle of the night for you. So frankly, I am going to be as annoyed at the parrot as I was the daughter, and I love the daughter. So the parrot has no chance. I mean, our discussion of this story has uh, confirmed a, a strong belief that I have about parrots and their pets in, in, in their entirety, which is that very rarely do they have any personality of their own. Mainly they're just projections of their owners. And in this case, uh, real parrot babies have just been a stand-in for our frustrations as, as both parents and passengers on planes. 
so well done, parrot babies. And our next story is the sexiest tree I have ever heard. Uh, this is the story of Pando, a quaking oh, aspen so sorry, colossal. I you were going to say the Deku tree from the Oracle of uh, the Oracle of Time. The Oracle I mean, of yes. Time. Let's talk about it. That's a tree. <laughs> Uh, also, the baobab tree, if that's how you pronounce it. I pronounce it the babe tree. Oh, for look at the, uh, the curvaceous trunk on that. Yeah. But this is even sexier than that. A, a quaking She's staying so on colossal. topic. She just won't be pulled off. <laughs> I will be pulled off, but only by a sexy enough tree. <laughs> the pando tree is not even a tree. It's like a, a swathe of trees. It's one tree that has many... Um, springs coming out of it. It is uh, thousands of individual sort of up shoots connected by a single root system and the whole thing uh, shakes and makes noise and is like, can I just say, uh, the hottest tree uh, I have ever heard because you can hear it. John Luke, you're des- you're 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 desperate to leaf. Can you unpack this story for us? Nice, I like it. Um, well, it's called the panda tree. It's the word means I spread um, because for would, yeah, because if but I mean in context that's cool. But if you got onto a tube and the pando tree was in there like across three chairs where it only needs one, you'd be a bit like, come on, pando tree, pull yourself together. Um, but it's a big old spready tree. And they put tiny little microphones on it to find out what sounds it makes. Um, but it now, it seems to me that if you put tiny little microphones on anything, sounds will happen. But I don't know that it's quite true to say that that is the thing making the sounds or that those sounds are in any way an accurate representation of what that thing sounds like. Because it doesn't sound like that because you can listen to it and it just goes, unless you have lots of tiny little tiny little microphones to stick on its leaves and under its roots. Um, but it does sound nice, especially when there's a storm and it's all going creak, creak, creak. To be fair to the vast majority of our listeners, I don't sound like anything unless there's plenty of tiny little microphones in front of me. I'm just talking in my room alone. So uh, let's not play down the, the, the high quality of audio equipment in the world. I'm sorry. I just realized we we need to knock this thing down obviously because if it's got tiny little microphones on it we will finally know if it falls in the forest whether it makes a sound we can finally test this we need to knock down the pando tree right now well i want to get it as a guest on the gargle so if this project this scientific project this ecological project has achieved one thing it will be to make people knock down the pando tree (laughs) (laughs) i um I hate this tree. Uh, I I really don't. Get this this story uh, was uh, flogged by NPR with the headline: "Listen to one of the largest trees in the world." And frankly, no, I do not want to listen to this tree. I do not want to listen to any tree. A tree has nothing to say that could interest me. A tree has been nowhere. It has done nothing. I do not respect anyone that allows dogs to habitually piss on them. Sorry, John. (laughs) I do not respect it. I do not want to listen to it. And like you say, it's not one tree. It's a bunch of little trees with interconnected roots. And we have an expression for someone in Australia who has a lot of interconnected roots, and it's a bloody hornbag. So I'll be damned if I sit here and I listen to a tree that has shagged half the forest. I do not care for this tree. I do not like the members 
of the Friends of Pando, which is a really weird name for the group. It's the kind of group you get when you've been me too. The Friends of Pando who say that Pando redefines trees. It does not redefine trees. It is very much a tree. If you imagine a tree in your mind, that's what Pando is. It's a tree. And also it has one sound. You're a one hit wonder, Pando. Where is the follow-up album? You've been around for ages. I hate this tree. This tree is cancelled. And that brings us to the end of the show. I'm flipping through the ad section at the back. James Colley, have you got anything to plug? Uh, the next big thing is out via Pantera Press. When? Don't know. But keep refreshing their webpage until pre-orders are open and it will probably be a couple of months from now. Uh, also, if you are in Australia, uh, you can watch the 1% Club on Channel 7's catch-up service. I don't know what that is, not going to look into it. Or on ABC iView, there's plenty of Gruen, which is coming back soon. Hey, that's exciting news. It's a good show. Uh, John Luke Roberts, have you got anything to plug? Yes. Um, I'm doing my tour show, A World Just Like a Robot, one more time in... Uh, the Moth Club in London on the 16th of July to record that and film it and then you'll be able to purchase it. Other than that, um, you can listen to my podcast, Soundy, which is still online and um, I think is, is, is very good. And you can find me online at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. It's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcasts and blogs as well as my weekly Tea with Alice salons and my writer's meetings if you would like to write with me. I'll also be gigging all over in uh, London and Edinburgh in the next three months. So find that uh, all of the details of that on at Alliterative on Twitter or an Instagram or patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. I announce my gigs weekly there. We have a live gargle coming to Edinburgh. If you are going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival during August, we will be doing the gargle live there with a number of uh, fave, fave returning guests and one or two new exciting guests. And the dates for that are available on the website, thebuglepodcast.com. If you'd like to be a roving reporter for The Gargle, you can tweet us at Hello Garglers. Our roving reporters this week are James VT and Miss Otis, who sent in the guilt-tipping stories, C-Lips, who sent in the gene-hacked sausages, the three-person DNA babies and our babbling parrots, as well as the listening to trees story. So we've got a clear leader on the leaderboard if you want to compete with C-Lips at Hello Garglers is the place to tweet us stories that you think would be appropriate for this show. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.